Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy, founders of the Anti-Aging Clinic in Water Hill, Florida, where the alternatives matter. Now here are your hosts, David and Stephanie Tippy. Hello to our listeners, I'm David. Younger Show. We have a great uh, lineup this afternoon. We are going to be talking with the co-author of Drugs and Your Teen. It's absolutely a, a strong book. The book has uh, a wealth of knowledge and many historical uh, recreations. The, the contents are extremely vital. I'm telling you, they they they're eye openers, and it's a focus on uh, hoping that parents will get this book and be able to understand more about it. The first uh, chapter, of course, it's uh, under the introduction is is what it's all about. And chapter one is who is who, you know, in the stories, the drug dealers, and blah blah blah. Chapter two, understanding the problem. Chapter three. The Keys to Detection, Chapter 4, Drugs and Abuse, Part 1, Chapter 5, Drugs and Abuse, Part 2, Chapter 6, Adolescence, Drugs, and the uh, Interior, I'm I'm going to beg off on that one, Chapter 7, Testing, Chapter 8, Home Base, Chapter 9, Resources and Workplace Testing, and Chapter 10, Prevention and Summary. I'm going to bring in the co-author to this book, Michael J. Talley, Jr., and come in, Mike. Morning, David. How you doing? Very good, very good. I'm so appreciative of you sending me this book. It's really a fascinating read, and I, I know every parent out there is going to be uh, striking it uh, like a, a home run to get this thing, to be able to realize uh, what really is taking place to recognize things. What do now, you think? The book was written for parents. Uh, parents seem to have a problem believing, well, they have a problem in a couple areas. One, believing their child could be doing drugs or alcohol. And second, in this day and age, parents are threatened by their children. They don't want to approach them. They don't want to ask them questions. Uh, the parents need to go into the child's room. They need to check things out. Look everywhere. I mean, I got involved because my daughter got involved with heroin, and she's 34 and still off and on involved. And I found out when she was a senior in high school. And then I started checking her room. I found needles. She was actually injecting heroin into her veins. Can you imagine a child in- injecting something, giving themselves a needle? But she had the needles hidden up inside her dresses. Uh, there were things hidden inside the bedpost. It's very, very important for the parents to check the child's room out. And the child will say, well, you don't trust me. I have no privacy. Well, you're right. You have no privacy. You live in my home. So, Prove to me that I can trust you. And it's very important they do that. They've got to go after them. They have to know their kid's friends. They have to know where the child is. You can't just assume because they're hopping around from friend to friend, that they're fine. You know, there's things you have to do as far as checking with your child. 
Do they do anything strange? Are they out of character for themselves? Do they hide in their room? There's a story about a 16-year-old that uh, for the last year came home, and he was a single child. And he would go up in his room after school, and the parents wouldn't see him for the rest of the night. And they never questioned him. They never checked his room. Well, one morning, he didn't come down. They had to break the door down. He's laying there dead on the floor with a needle in his arm. The top bureau drawer was open, and that's where his drug paraphernalia was. And really, in my mind, they're partially responsible for that kid being dead. They never checked. They never asked him a question. Are the kid's grades failing? Are his friends changing all the time? Do the friends he grew up with not want to be with him anymore, him or her, because they don't like what, it, what they're into, what they're doing? Does money disappear? Do things disappear out of the house? The first thing the kids will do if they're using is steal from the safest place. That's the house. I mean, I had my computer sold by my daughter. It's something I used for work at the time with a corporate sales job. I needed that. And that is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing what they will do. And just like you say, if you don't take the initiative to go in and, and check up on them and find out the the truth, you know, the truth hurts. We all know that. And maybe that's some of the reasoning behind parents not jumping in there and trying to find out what's going on. I, just like you, I, w- they should not care whether the child is saying, what, you don't trust me? It, it, it's, that's, uh, it's not even uh, questionable. It doesn't matter what the child thinks, whether you tr- trust him or not. You are responsible for raising that child, and you've got to do everything within your means to find out what's going on and to either put a stop to something or, or find out what's going on so you can get involved. And I, I know there's one particular thing that this ought to be an inspiration to uh, parents, uh, especially to get a hold of this book, and that is an addict will not stop unless they want to. Now, being in a rehab, that's no guarantee, and, and I want you to explain how absolutely uh, far-fetched the idea is. I mean, look at uh, some of the, the more famous people that started those kinds of things, the uh, the, the president's wife, uh, 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 the uh, geez, uh, Jimmy Carter's wife, you know, uh, started those things, and she knows exactly what we're talking about. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. And you have to, um, the addict has got to want to stop. And I know this again from my daughter, and she's lost a lot of friends. That didn't scare her. And they died because of drug overdoses or whatever the case might be, but it's drug-related. She's been to every rehab that I can think of in three counties. At, at this point, she doesn't want to stop. And I think that's something that people have to realize. You can send them to every rehab in the world. I mean, Dr. Drew Pinsky had a celebrity rehab show on uh, a couple of years ago now. Some of the people he had on are now dead. You know, he took people that were really in trouble, had problems, and you had um, Jeff Conway. His wife tried smuggling some drugs in for him, and they'll do the same thing in a rehab. My daughter was in a place called Miramont, which is a good facility. It's out in Lima, Pennsylvania. 
and people would actually come, friends of the kids that were in there, and they'd hide drugs in the field for them to go get. You know, if, if somebody's into something like LSD, they'll mail them a letter and put LSD under the stamp. You know, if you're in a rehab, you can't bring any alcohol-containing shampoo because they'll drink it. You know, people have got to realize this is a very serious thing. You have to uh, make sure that you get across to the kid, boy, girl, whatever it may be. They have to want to get clean. If they don't, don't you know, spend your there, money on a rehab. You're wasting your time. Yeah, is there a conversation that you might have with them, like you have this anonymous friend in uh, page 23 here uh, talking about uh, friend was Kip, and it goes all the way through uh, talking about his, uh, you know, his problem and everything, all the way down to uh, the only way out for him was death, and of course, he caused his own death. Uh, I think that would be an eye opener for every parent in the world if you started talking about what the the entire relationship between drugs and death were that if they get in them too deeply they cannot stop because they will not have the will to stop and the next move is going to be the depression out of this world that's going to create them attempting or taking their own life i think that is a a complete uh turnkey for parents if they would just get focused on those basic issues, it would certainly be uh, motivation for going to that child's room and and doing some major follow-up and checking around as best possible in every nuance that you could think of to get that person's uh, uh, life into some type of order because it's certainly going to go to death. Do you believe it's, that that is going to be funneling someone toward death unless you intervene and really intervene miraculously and very tough? Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. A person that is using drugs or alcohol and refuses to stop is going to end up in prison or they're going to end up dead. My daughter has OD'd seven times that I'm aware of, and that did not scare her. You hit a good point when you had your uh, your opening, David. We don't have family dinners anymore. People don't sit down, have dinner, talk to the kids like it used to be when we were growing up. You've got to actually talk to your child eyeball to eyeball, confront them, ask them questions. If, you, if he says he's going out and you say, where is he? I'm just going out, that isn't sufficient. He doesn't go out. You've got to find out where he's going, who he's going to be with. You've got to be able to contact him. But the family dinner was very important. You want to be able to sit down and have a conversation, ask them if they have any problems, ask if they know any friends with problems. And you can find out then if, if their friends are changing. That's, that's a bad sign if they are. Uh, do you smell alcohol in their breath? Are their pupils dilated? Do they hide with sunglasses? Do they run to the room each time? Changes in attitude, changes in habits, but you've got to somehow, and I don't always, I don't always know how to do it. You got to get the point across that that person has got to want to be clean, 
And if they can get through life not being clean and still survive, that's not as easy as, as it may sound. Because you're not talking to somebody that is logical. And most of the parents really don't have any indication of somebody that's using drugs because they didn't do it themselves. There's a question I have a lot. Well, I did marijuana when I was a kid. Should I tell my son or daughter that? And my answer always is absolutely, for several reasons. One, if you haven't done anything like that, they won't listen to you. I've never done drugs. I drink socially. That's it. I've had meetings. There's Delaware County Adolescent Drug and Alcohol Task Force that I belong to. And I brought my daughter in when she was in one of her clean phases. And they all asked her questions. And these are people that are in the field. Now, they'll listen to her. If you go to a school, you go to a church and have a presentation, the kids there that may or may not be using will listen to somebody that they can identify with. They won't listen to me. I'm a parent. I'm an older person. You know, what do I know about what's going on today? So they just count me. But you have to get somebody that they'll go listen to and get the point across. And talking to your kid is just crucial, crucially important. You watch their attitudes. You see if they change. You look for physical signs of change. There's a lot of things you can do just to support your own child. Let them know that if you got a problem, we will help you. One of the things that you bring to light, and that is an addict will lie. And if you don't go to great extremes to find out if your child is lying, then you are really discrediting and not doing this. Because if you don't follow up and find out if they are lying and you just accept what they're saying, it's a, a you, you issue a death sentence in, in my way of thinking. You're, you're just uh, parliamenting that to them. So if there's anything in the world that would be an eye-opener or some eye-openers, what would be some of the obvious signs to look at so that a person would be thinking? I know the the eyes dilated and the, the, the breath, but is there some other signs that you can think of that you know parents might pick up on and then start that that uh, relentless questioning so that they can get at to the truth of the lies. Now, they want to look for a change in their personality. <clears throat> Somebody is using marijuana, and an important point is if parents use marijuana where they were in the 60s, today it's 15 to 20 times stronger than it was then. And they've also got synthetic marijuana. Uh, but that's, that's getting off the point. We'll get back to that later. Some of the things you want to look for with marijuana, the eyes dilated. If they're taking cocaine or using coke, they're going to be all running all over the place. It's an upper. If they're using heroin or some kind of an opiate, codeine, morphine, or even pills, which are very popular now, they're going to be falling asleep. They're going to be nodding off. So after somebody uses something, you can see a change in their attitude. And you'll know. I mean, you know your child. If he's acting strange... You better take advantage of that opportunity. Keep them isolated. Don't let them go out. That's a good time to search his room, find, especially if he just came down or, or he's hiding up in his room. And a lot of time when you're talking to a child and you'll find something on him, you'll find marijuana or pills, whatever it might be, or a crack pipe, they'll say, oh, I'm just holding this for my friend. Never happens. Somebody Is there a... 
is there a possibility that uh, no matter whether your child is on drugs or not, that you ought to make every attempt to educate them right now, to let them see, look at what's happening to this poor individual. Don't slight or slander, just look at what's happening. She was a wonderful or he was a wonderful this, this, and this. And the drugs are destroying the life. And look at this one over here who took his life. I think the actual elements of talking to the child well before he gets out there, because uh, like you refer to in the book, you know, the, the children get involved in drugs through their friends. Yep. So if if the element of understanding was there, uh, when they got to a friend who was involved with that, they would already have what you taught them there. And it goes right back to that dinner table thing. We have got to get more involved and and be involved with our kids on a daily basis. And you can't do that by uh, checking out as a parent. You know, you just really can't. Those, Like you were mentioning, and I started the conversation with the, about the parenting and how so many are in single-parent homes and, and even a whole bunch more are in parentless homes. You know, it's just incredible, but that is the case. And I think for those kids, that is a, a, a complete abomination that's going to be bringing them toward uh, their own demise, you think? Yeah, that's a very important point. That's, that's one of the advantages of and why we wrote the book. It's not really a novel. You don't read it from cover to cover. It's it's a reference textbook that you can look at to find out answers to specific specific questions. And it's it'd be excellent to sit down with your child and go over these things. This is methamphetamine. These are uppers. This is what they can do to you. Let them know. One of the things that I think is really good to do is there's these methadone clinics everywhere. Take your child down to a meth clinic. Let them see the kind of people that go in, the kind of people that come out. Explain to them what they're doing. Explain that that's a analgesic narcotic. They're, so they're still on a drug, but they use that to get off of heroin. It's a recovery method, just like Suboxone. But it damages the person's bones. It damages their teeth. It's something you should not stay on for too long. And if you can't use Suboxone, you you're down to a dosage of 30 milligrams. Um, so you can take methadone. And a lot of the methadone clinics make money by being open. So they don't necessarily strive to get the kid off of the methadone or off the drugs. And I know, again, from my daughter, she'll go in at 80 milligrams as the dosage. She'll about the 275 if you let her go. She keeps complaining, well, I, I still have the urge. Well, it's a painkiller, too. So if you have a bad back or something like that, it's going to make you feel better. But it also is another drug. Now, Suboxone is something you put under your tongue. It takes, you take it sublingually. That doesn't have the painkilling that the um, methadone would have. So that's why you have to be at such a lower dosage. Right. But take them down to a methadone clinic. Let them see the kind of people that hang around there. Give them an idea of what they could look like in the future. One of the things that you bring out right there just absolutely is one of of the urgencies that I always bring 
my listeners too on this uh, uh, health and wellness program, and that is that uh, people in the pharmaceutical sickness industry do not need well people. You kind of touched on the outer skirts of that when they the methadone clinics were really not wanting their clients to get over anything because that's how they make their money. And basically, that's what you think about when you're thinking about the rented FDA. And they are simply the profit protectors for the drug cartel. And, you know, legal drugs kill over 500,000 a year uh, with properly prescribed drugs. And we don't see any outbursts about that. But uh, just the idea that you bring somebody's attention and awareness to the evilness that's out there, I, I don't you think, Mike, that we ought, the parent ought to be talking about some of these clinics that are not uh, producing because it might be less than profitable for them? Would that be a, a good thing for the parent to, to understand and relate to the kid, uh, knowing that there is so little help for them out there? Well, they should understand that. That's a good point to bring out because they need to know, one, they need to know what drugs look like what happens if you take them, what it does to your system. Does it speed your respiration system up? Does it hurt your brain? Even something as simple as marijuana, it burns brain cells. And I hear a lot of people argue the point that marijuana is not a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. It's not everybody that uses marijuana because one of the heavier drugs, but everybody that uses heavy drugs start with marijuana. And people are under the illusion that, well, I can try heroin and it's not going to hurt. Now, you do heroin once you're an addict. You've got to talk to your kids about this. They can't be out there just taking some, off somebody in the street corner because they say, well, try it. You do it once, you are hooked. There's something called chasing the dragon, and that's why people OD. They'll start out with a packet of heroin, and it's a little fraction of a gram inside a little cellophane wrapper, and they can snort it, they can shoot it, mainline it, whatever, whatever they decide to do. They get an initial high, and from that point on, they try to recreate that high. And then they'll try two packs and then three. My daughter was up to ten. You can't wow. recreate that initial high. That's the chase and the dragon aspect. They think that the more they take, they can finally get that. And you, you take somebody that's in rehab. They were up to ten packs a day. Now they're in rehab for three months. They come out. They go back well, I was doing 10 packs a day, I'm going to do it again. And they kills them. Their system is not acclimated to it anymore. These things wow. affect the brain, it affects the serotonin levels in your brain. It, it affects your respiratory system. Some of these things, the uppers, methamphetamine, crystal meth, uh, these things increase your, your uh, blood pressure, your heart rate, your respiratory system goes crazy. Nobody that I know of or have read about has died from marijuana. But now they've got synthetic marijuana where they chemically recreate the THC component, which is the addictive portion of marijuana, and they spray it on plant vegetation. 
Now, people can die from that because they don't know how strong it is. And it's something that's a chemical made up by somebody in their basement. No FDA, no quality control. Yeah, I'll get this three squirts and then we'll sell it. I mean, a while ago, and I know I mentioned this before to you, David, but in uh, Camden and Philadelphia, they were selling heroin cut with fentanyl. Fentanyl is white, and it's 80 times stronger than morphine. It was killing people. And these these addicts are so crazy, they find out that something's strong enough to kill you. They'll go get it. It doesn't scare them. Mm-hmm. It is so factually true that it's just heartbreaking because every time I hear it, I of course, I'm not in that business specifically, but I am in the wellness industry, and so not only am I looking at the legal drugs, it's also those illegal drugs. We've got friends who have a daughter just like yourself, and it it is so heartbreaking to to listen and watch what they're going through because one minute she will play like she's in good shape, and the next minute, uh, you know, crash and burn. Yeah. She's, she's going to have to spend actually time in jail. Now, there is a likelihood that she she thought that she could get out of that, but they have got time. They they wanted her to go to some kind of rehab, and then she's got X amount of uh, days to spend in jail, and and then there's going to be qualifications that she has to muster through, and should she fail on those, she will go for a couple of years in jail, you know. So there's, uh, it, it's a terrible event after event after event. I truly believe if the parents would be able to inject this information into their kids and let them see this kind of stuff well before their friends start coming up with uh, the suggestions, try this or try that, and let them realize what that is, I mean, that's that's a snake bite that you are never going to get over. You know, it's just, it, it, it's it's terrible. Well, you got to get them to the point where they jump way ahead and they see what the repercussions are. I mean, I, I would take a small child, and I've done this, take them to a jail and lock them in a jail. The police are glad to show you that. And they did that with me when I was a kid. And believe me, I never wanted to do anything to be in jail. <laughs> That's why I say it's going that was a good one. That's a good one. I like that one, yeah. Yeah, and it works, too. And they'll remember it. you got to see the repercussions. You can't say, oh, this is bad for you. There's a lot of things. Coke is bad for them. But they have to find that if you do this, this is where you're going to end up. You're going to be in a cemetery. You're going to be in a meth clinic. You're going to be in jail. They've got to realize that's a very strong possibility. Saw a program the other day, and there's and now the big thing is uh, uh, opiates, uh, oxycontin, hydrocodone, the synthetic opiates they call them. They're prescription drugs, and a lot of people are starting with prescription drugs, and then they go to heroin because heroin is less expensive. Right. But we have about four percent of the world's population in the United States. Yet, from what they were saying, we use 90% of the prescribed opiates. We're coming down uh, to a a low wire here, so let's give 
people a chance to purchase this book? Where are they going to get drugs and your team, uh, Mike? Uh, a couple places. You can go to Amazon. It's on there. Uh, you can go to my website, which is drugtestofpa.com, to purchase it through there. Say drug test give some what? Th- Say it slowly. Uh, drug test uh, what? D-R-U-G-T-E-S-T-O-F-P-A.com. O-S-T-A? Uh, drug, it's a really a contraction of drug test consultants of Pennsylvania. It's drug test of PA. Okay. All right. So it's D-R-U-G-T-E-S-T. The title of the book is Drugs and Your Teen. And what is the co-author's name there, Michael? It's Dr. Gianni DeVincent Hayes. She got involved when she was 19. She was out with her boyfriend, and they were hit by a drunk driver. And she's about my age, but she's still going through a lot of reconstructive surgery. It's really, really hurt her. So she feels very strong about it. And I got involved because of my daughter and, and the heroin abuse. But both very dedicated. And she's she's a writer. She's written about 20 books before. This is my first venture out, but she's, a, she's an experienced season writer. Absolutely fascinating. And we're coming down to the wire. I'm going to have to check out. I'll, I'll talk to you again on tomorrow's radio program at 11 a.m. Mike, see you then. Good. Thank you, David. You've been listening to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy. You've just heard that alternatives to the sickness industry are alive and well, helping you to age younger. The Anti-Aging Clinic is located at 7200 West Commercial Boulevard in Lauder Hill, Florida. You can reach David and Stephanie at 954-742-4430. That phone number again is 954-742-4430. And you can learn more about them on their website, livelonger123.com. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 1 o'clock for Aging Younger on 1040 WLVJ. Send it to you, bitch. No, I said I'm going to finish it. Put it on there with just uh, agingyounger.net. Well, that's uh, that's irregardless. That's one that's going to be. Yes, it is. It's very appealing. It's very appealing. Want one screaming? Oh, there is no funny about stress. <laughs> 